Thank you for that welcome, Pastor Mike. Good to be here tonight. How many of you here this morning? Cool, lifting the darkness. Eh? Those of you who are in here this morning, no my hare mai, I bring greetings from the house of breakthrough in Gisborne, Tairawhiti, the place that sees the dawn of a new day. We're in the future, you're in the past, by just a few milliseconds. <laughs> nah, we're all in the future, eh? Aussies are in the past. <laughs> and all the Kiwis said, and all the Aussies said, hey, down here, hey. Good to be here with you here tonight and uh, just having an in- incredible weekend, great weekend with your pastors and the hospitality that they've shown us in this church and we really feel like Fano, and uh, we're only three hours up the road so if you're ever up that way, Gizzy, just feel free to pop and say hi. Uh, you'll find us in the phone book, Yellow Pages. <laughs> Our church is opposite the hospital at Gisborne and um, so if you don't know where the church is, just ask where the hospital is, uh, you'll find it there at the corner of Lytton and Norman Road. And uh, it's a great big warehouse. Well, I'm going to get straight into it. We've got some work to do tonight. Some glory, the presence of God is here tonight. And uh, this morning's message was uh, lifting the darkness, lifting the tapu. And uh, it's in your rising that you shine. You won't just shine. It's in you rise to a higher level that the light of Christ is going to expand in a greater way. So awesome. Um, tonight, I'm going to talk about extending your borders. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3. And... Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Uh, got to work my message in with his ministry. Don't I? I'm just gonna... Thank you, Jesus. There's a, wind, there's a wind in the room. The Spirit of God is here. I mean, he's, he's already here before we came. The wind of destiny is in the room. The wind of destiny is in the room. And you are like a sailboat. You're like a sailboat in the shallow harbor, and in order to move out of the shallows, you need that wind, amen. In order to move out of the shallow place, the boat has to put a sail up. Say, my heart is the sail. Say, my heart is the sail. My heart is the sail. And if you allow God to fill your heart, if you allow the wind of destiny to fill your heart this night, a new momentum will come upon you. A new force will come upon you and will take you from the shallow places out into the deep. For God did not call you to catch fish in the shallow. You'll never catch anything in the shallows. Launch out into the deep, he said, and lower your net. But the wind of destiny has called this church to go beyond the place it has been. And the place you have been, it was once upon, it seemed deep. But now you have grown, you have matured. You put away childish things and you find that that which was once deep is now shallow. The place is too small for this church. Then now God is like, look at this nation. Look at this world. That is the deep. I'm calling you to push out, to launch out into the deep. And the wind of destiny is here tonight. The Spirit of God, Tawarua Tapu, is here tonight. To fill the heart of those who would lift up to Him. That He might reposition and move you out of the shallows into the deep. First nation, first people, first place to see the dawning of a day. Peter and Henry Rata, stand up, please. Stand up, please. Where's Henry Rata? Come up here, actually. There's a wind in the room. Somebody will feel the physical wind of God come upon you tonight. Just stand, hold your hands together, husband and wife. The wind of destiny. The wind of destiny, the wind of destiny, the wind of destiny will lift you up where you have been. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I will take you where your limitations cannot take you. Find the unlimited power and might of the living God to take you into a place where my people may follow. A place of light, a place of breakthrough. The wind of heaven. There's others here. There's a revolution going on, actually. There's a revolution going on, and it's um, every young person from young person. I mean, from the age of uh, every person from 25 and under. Stand up if you want, and if you want. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm 50 something, and I feel young too. 
but we're walking in spirit and truth tonight. <laughs> Every young person, lift your hands up to God. Catch it, catch it, catch it. This is spirit that's being imparted. Don't look at me. You're not going to get anything from me. I've got nothing to give. But if you've got your heart open to the spirit of God, you're going to catch something tonight. Deep calleth unto deep. The power of the greater becomes the power of the lesser when you're covenant, when you're in covenant relationship with him. The righteousness of God becomes our righteousness because of the blood, because of the cutting of the flesh and the shedding of his blood. He's covenanted with us. And now that which belongs to the greater is now belongs also to the lesser who walk with him. And the power of the greater becomes the power of the lesser. The righteousness of the greater becomes the righteousness of the lesser. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But the power of the greater rests upon the lesser because of covenant. Some of you now been taken up into, a, into the spirit realm, into the heavenly realm, into the glory realm. And I want you now to look down the corridor of the next five years of your life, the next 10 years of your life, the next 15 years of your life, the next 20 years of your life. And you ask your God, what do you want me to do for you? And your God may even ask you, what will you do for me? What will your life be spent on in the next 20 years? You've got to... You are the revolutionaries of a new generation. But you've got to walk strategically and systematically in the strategies of heaven. You cannot walk wishy-washy like a charismatic generation that we have been. You've got to walk strategically, systematically, and purposefully to fulfill the prophetic mandate and timetable of God. Revival was meant to hit this nation two decades ago, but it hasn't. It hasn't. And therefore, you must be the next generation that will carry it into reality, from potential to reality. A new generation. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Makes your knees knock, doesn't it? <laughs> you, may, you may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Don't let the camera get on too close. I was eating one of those Listerine mints and it got stuck to my lip. And <coughs> you ever had that? Those Listerine mints? And they stick and they burn. <laughs> Ah, I should try it sometime. It's a real blast. What's the name of the girl on the keyboard? Sophie. Where are you, Sophie? Hey! Stand up again, sweetheart. Actually, come up here, honey. You have got such a... So just stand right there. You have such a sensitivity in the spirit. You have such a sensitivity. And, and you are able to usher in the presence of God. Your ministry is helping lift the darkness off the people of God. Hallelujah. I want you to take three steps toward me and then stop on the third. One, two, three. You're stepping into something new. You're stepping into something new. You're stepping out what was into what is. For that was shallow back there, but where God is bringing you now is to something deeper. For you have not walked this way before, says the Lord. I'm doing a new thing. Behold, a new thing in your life. And as you step into this which is new, you shall usher in others into that new thing of mine, says the Lord. I sent my Levites, I sent my singers before the army, and they opened a way over the Spirit, which opened the heavens and allowed my angels to be released. And I brought great victory for the King Jehoshaphat. I am the same yesterday, today, forever. And through my Levites and my ministry, I will send you forth and you will open a way over this place. You will lift the darkness and you'll make a way for others to follow. Oh, hallelujah. Beautiful. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your descendants will possess nations and they will resettle the desolate cities. Frank Roosevelt said, to reach a port we must sail. Sail, not tie up at anchor, but sail. Not drift, but sail. God did not create us just to drift through life. He created us to sail through life with a life of momentum and purpose and destiny. And so many people wake up every morning and they just drift through life. But we're not called to drift through life. We're called to walk this life with momentum and destiny and purpose. We all have a destiny. God's ordained a great path for my life and your life. I think we, uh, academically, we, we are sent to that. 
but whether we walk it or not is another thing. And so um, God has determined, no, no. God has ordained a great path for you. Amen? A destiny. But he does not determine whether you walk that path or not. My plan for you is for good, not evil, to give you a hope and a future. But God doesn't determine whether you walk that path or not. You determine whether you walk that path or not. I determine whether I walk the path God's ordained for me or not. To walk the path of God that brings blessing and breakthrough in your life, it is a choice. Choose ye this day. Blessing or curse. Choose ye this day. It is a choice whether we walk the path God's ordained for our lives. And at the end of, end of our time on earth, we look back and see what we accomplished for him or didn't. And we cannot blame God. He will ask us for an account. What did you do with your life for me and the earth? What did you spend it on? Well, I chose to ride the Harleys and hang out with the bikies. I chose to get stoned and drunk every day. I chose to beat the pus out of the missus. I chose to live a crappy life. Well, God, I just didn't have the brakes. God, you had the same brakes as any other human on the planet. You made a choice. You see, some people say, you're a lucky pastor. You know, your marriage was blessed. Your, your children are in the house. They're blessed. You're a great, you know, mukapuna love God. And, and you live in a nice house. And you've got, you know, you're just really blessed. You're lucky. I'm not lucky. I made a choice. I made a choice not to live like that anymore. That's all it is. That path is your path too. A bro walked past me one day. He says, is that your car, bro? I says, yep. It's a super, I know, super fast and furious. And uh, he says, is that your motorbike? That Harley? I says, yep. 07. You're lucky, bro. I say, ain't lucky, bro. I saved my butt off for that. I worked hard, man, and prayed. You could have that too. Oh, no, 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 no. He's got an attitude, you see. He's got a victim mentality. Sort of shuffles up, mumbling under his breath. Hey, man, a blessing is yours. Life or curse, it's a choice. Whether we fulfill the destiny of God, it's not up to God, it's up to us. We determine whether we walk that path. Amen. Yeah, man? We determine, I made a choice, I'm going to live my life for God and accomplish something, fulfill whatever the destiny is he's got on my life. Hence, I don't get bored any, anymore. <laughs> I had to enlarge my boundaries, I had to extend my borders. I was living a comfortable life, going nowhere. <laughs> and th- th- it was familiar. <sighs> when I met Jesus, man, life no longer is comfortable. Not Life no longer is familiar. But man... I've extended, I've been able to experience more of God and more of blessing in my life, my marriage, my family, my children than ever before. None of my kids have been to jail. None of my kids have been uh, smoked dope, got drunk, been stoned. None of my kids have been in gang wars. And none of my, my mokapunas will ever taste it. Thank God he broke that curse. He broke it as I chose to, make, to, to walk his path. He didn't determine it. I determined whether I walked or not. See? See, God had already ordained it, but I made a choice. Now I've got bros who are still living in that crappy loser lifestyle. Oh, you're lucky, bro. <laughs> I ain't lucky, bro. Kia kaha. Get some guts. Yeah, be a man. Stop limping through life with the crutch of your alcohol and your gang and your booze. Limping through life thinking you're a big man like I used to. God, Jesus said, I'll kick those crutches out from under you and teach you how to stand and walk alone. That's kaha. That's ihi. Mm. So Jesus is all, I just want to give him the glory. He's worthy, amen. Anyway, he didn't create you just to drift through life. And so in Ephesians 23, I want to, not Ephesians, here come in. First, uh, PowerPoint. (laughs) Ah, See, it works. Every nation has borders. When I fly into India, you can't feel the bump on the road when you fly over India, but you, I can feel the presence. I can feel them in another dimension. I can feel the demonic realm of India when I come out of Asia. When I come into New Zealand, I can feel the different presence over this nation. And uh, every nation, there are, there are borders, spiritual borders and territories. Mm-hmm. There are. Just like in the, in the natural, there are different borders. It might be a river. It might be a a government crossing. It might be a, a road, but there are borders and there are boundaries throughout the earth. Amen? With me? It's just a basic teaching. Every nation has borders. We have borders in our lives. We have borders in our lives. And um, Genesis 23, verse 17. So Abra- this is about Abram. God's speaking to Abraham. He's, he's telling Abram about, about the boundaries that he's giving him for his life. He says, So Ephraim's field and Machpelah near Mamre, both the field and the cave in it, and all the trees within the borders of the field, was deeded to Abraham as his property in the presence of all the Hittites. 
this field, the, the borders of the field. It was all deeded to Abraham. And she said, God says, your property, your property. And just as God deeded territory to Abraham in his day, he has deeded territory to you in your day. God has deeded territory to you. Now, there's different types of territory. I'm thinking about spiritual territory. God has deeded unto you spiritual territory in your personal life. Where you, that once upon a time you didn't know God. But he says, if you connect to me, you've got to go beyond that spiritual realm you were born in. You'll be born again in my spirit. And you'll come into a territory of a relationship with the living God. And I will be your God and you will be my son, my child. That's a territory that God's deeded for you to enter into. And most of us have, amen? Three or four of you have. Great, you, you need to get born again. So that, that's a spiritual territory that you have moved into through being born again. You've come into the gate of salvation. You with me? Sort of track with me? Now, in that spiritual realm, there's more territory than just coming to church on Sunday, being born again, and experiencing the book of life. In that spiritual territory, you're given authority over the spirit realm, over demonic powers, over demons, over sickness, and over disease. That's more territory that God has deeded to us. Luke 9, uh, 10, 19, Behold, I give unto you a power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. So that's territory that many Christians haven't even entered into. I said this morning, I, I know five pastors in this nation that, on one hand, they move in the power of God. And once upon a time, every pastor used to move in the power of God. These young revolutionaries, you're going to move in the power of God, but you're going to get some training. Look, I love the flashing lights and the smoke machines and all that, but you're going to need more than flashing lights and smoke machines when you come face to face with the territorial spirit, with the curse, with the makutu, with disease and cancer that's eating away our human body. You're going to need more than that. You're going to need the presence and the power of the mighty God. And so that's a spiritual territory many Christians haven't extended their borders into because they're sacrificed to move in that sort of dimension and power. I'll never forget a woman who came to me and Jess, uh, when we first moved to Gisborne, she had AIDS. She said, I've uh, been to the specialist, I've been diagnosed twice now, and they said, it's, it's AIDS, and it's in my blood. And her body, had, she had lumps sticking out of her body, she had hepatitis, the worst one, is it B or A? Well, one of them anyway. And, and, and she had lumps sticking out of her body, she had short of breath, and she said, I have AIDS. And, um, and I says, uh, Jesus can heal you. She says, that's why I'm here. So we, we prayed for her in our lounge, and as she stood there, the, the presence of God came upon her, went right through her body. Her, her, her skin began to glow, literally, before, well, not like a light, but, you know, that glow, wonder glow, natural glow. It was a supernatural glow. It began to glow, and, and she started sweating, and immediately just, just sat there and watched because the presence of God was upon her. And then, then she straightened up, she says, I'm healed, I know I'm healed. I says, well, you might know you're healed. Go and get, a, get checked out by the doctor. And the specialist took, us about, took her about a month to get tests redone, redone, redone. Came back inconclusive. Said, there is no trace of hepatitis, no trace of AIDS. And she's alive to this day. She's alive to this day. There's a problem, though. We should all be moving to, well, not, maybe not all of us, but many of us should be moving on that. See, this is the authority of the believer in Mark 16, 17. You know, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you'll cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's a spiritual territory that has been deeded to us through the blood and body of Jesus Christ. But very few Christians have moved into that territory, have not broken through those boundaries because there is sacrifice and it is unfamiliar territory. And many Christians don't feel comfortable praying. I'll pray for your headache. But, oh, your cancer. Oh, 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 I'll pray for your wart. But oh, I don't know about uh, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, blindness, deafness. And you're intimidated by the giants. Because you haven't extended your border into the territory that God had deeded to you. Because there is sacrifice. There is sacrifice. Jesus paid for it. But you have to dig into the word of God. And you have to spend time in his presence to catch that revelation of what he has done for mankind and carry it and release healing to the, to the nations. Your, pastor, your pastors have paid the price. They've pioneered. They've broken through those bound, that spiritual boundaries. They've taken hold of that spiritual territory deeded to them in Christ Jesus. And they share the, 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 the power of God around the earth. It's awesome. But, you know, many in here should be operating in that power too. And so there's spiritual ter territory deeded to us that we have not yet taken. Amen? When was the last time you saw a blind man healed when you prayed for them? Come on. Let's get real here. And when was the last time you prayed for a sick person? Or did you just say, oh, just go down to the chemist and get some medicine? 
When was the last time there's someone sick in your household? <coughs> and, and you went and got medicine and still laid hands on them. And so you didn't pass over your territory. You, you didn't pay the sacrifice of passing into the... Because it's unfamiliar and you maybe feel uncomfortable. But it's time to get out of the comfort zone. It's time to get out of the familiarity realm. If you really want to extend your borders, then you've got to step out. You've got to pay the sacrifice. Eh. And so I usually see uh, several deaf people, blind people, and cancers healed every year usually, not just overseas here in New Zealand. And, uh, and I make a point of pushing my boundaries. I have to push my boundaries too. And I don't feel comfortable in myself because I have no power to heal the sick, but he has. I'm just the hose. He's the water that blows through it. That's all it is. And I don't have no power, but I'm connected to him like you are by covenant. And the, when you're in covenant relationship, that which belongs to the greater belongs also to the lesser. I love that. I love that. So the anointing of the greater now is the mine as well. Anyway, not going. that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about territory, extending your borders, spiritual territory. Now, uh, Joshua 13.1. You have time to look at it? Grab it? Okay, I'm going to read it. Now, Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and stricken in years. Nothing like the obvious, is there? <laughs> Why does God do that? <laughs> And <laughs> is, what were you talking about? Were you talking about what it was? Anyway, there remains yet very much land to be possessed. Prophetic word. There remains yet very much land to be possessed. And I'm just talking about Hawks Bay. We're talking about your life tonight. There remains yet very much land to be possessed. Amen. This is exciting. This isn't a lambasting. This isn't a, I'm not telling you what you can't do. I'm encouraging you to rise up and be inspired to what you can do in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of territory in your life that God wants you to, to, to claim, to reclaim, even tonight starting in the spirit realm. This is the land that yet remains. The borders of the Philistines. Woohoo! Now the borders in the land of Josh, in, in Joshua's day, the borders of that Canaan, that land he, he went to possess, the borders remained not because the Lord was limited in his power to give it to him, but because his people were limited in faith and courage. They had placed limits on what they thought they were capable of possessing. Therefore, they limited the, the power of God working through them. We cannot touch those guys. They're too powerful for us. And so the borders remain. And so it is in our personal lives. Mm, I don't know if I could do that, Pastor. I don't know if I could overcome that big one. Oh. Well, you can. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Hmm, now like a lead balloon. If, if there's still territory in your life that's not yet possessed by Christ, then you've got the opportunity to enlarge your borders tonight. If there's territory in your life that you have not yet allowed Christ to possess, then you have the opportunity to enlarge your borders. This message obviously is for you and for me. Let's see. If the quality of your life is no better today than before you were a Christian then it's obvious you've got some borders to possess yet, yeah? <laughs> like the quality of my life before I was a Christian, I smoked like a train. I mean, dope. And I smoked continuously. I needed it. I needed courage out of a bottle, and I needed peace out of a joint. And, uh, but when I came to Christ, I yielded that area of my life to him. He is my, I'm in a kingdom. He's my king. I said, okay, Lord, I love getting stoned. I love drinking. You can be honest with God. You really love it. As I love doing this, you've got to have something better because I need it. And I said, but I will pay the sacrifice of, of, of not taking it. And for, for a couple of weeks, I just resisted taking joints. My mates would pass the joint around the week. Nah, nah, nah. I'm training. It does too. Fuck, I'm to tell them I was a Christian because uh, I told them Christians are for poofters and old people. And I asked them, I want to tell them, I'm a Christian, man. Oh, no, no, bro, I'm training, I'm training. No, I can't. You know. And uh, next week, the joint goes around, some booze. No, 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 I'm training, bro. But deep down, I was doing this unto God. Oh, God. Uh, within a couple of weeks, I was free from my addictions. Free. See, I, I extended my borders of that area of my life. I paid a sacrifice. I went out of the comfortable, familiar realm into the uncomfortable, unfamiliar realm, and I broke through. God wants you to break through. There are borders in your life. There are limitations that you have placed on God. And that border is an affront to the Holy Spirit. That border, that Holy Ghost looks at that and he says, that, that's an affront to me. Because the Holy Ghost overcomes every border. But you've got to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Whatever in your life is not yet under the possession of the King, 
You've got the opportunity to yield it to Christ. Pay the sacrifice. It will be uncomfortable. <laughs> You've got to get out of that familiar old habit pattern and live it and commit it to God and extend the border of your personal life, your spiritual life. Is this making sense to somebody? Okay. So like you, I've had to learn to take dominion over many areas of my life, and I still am. There's other areas of my life I thought were pretty good. I thought it was pretty holy. Uh, when I first got saved, I stopped swearing and, 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 and drinking and getting stoned, and I really felt holy because, man, I was raised on that. And I was holy, man. And then one day God says, you're thinking naughty thoughts. I don't want you thinking naughty thoughts. I says, oh, but Lord, no one sees. He says, I see. You belong to me. It means your mind as well. Why? What's wrong with my mind? He says, well, you are what you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, and you're thinking about violence, and, and you're thinking naughty things, and if you keep thinking like that, you're going to miss out what I'm trying to say to you. <laughs> oh, man, you want my mind? You want my thought patterns? Yeah, yield your thought life to me and think on the things that are good. And so that was another border I had to break through. <laughs> Uncomfortable, unfamiliar. And so when I, someone gives me the fingers, I'm going to go smack. I had to think another thought. <laughs> Bless you. It's a sacrifice, man. But as I've continued to do, I've gone beyond the realm of the familiar response. It's not easy. Sometimes I want to backslide, but no, 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 I haven't. <laughs> and so I broke through this mental, this, you know, there's first degree burns, second degree burns, and third degree burns. This is the fire of God we're talking about here. You can come in the glory fire, but you've got to let the fire burn through you and expose the areas of your personal life that he wants to cleanse in order to bring the purity of Christ through. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many Christians are deformed by the removal of their mind. Just think God's going to do it. And so I'm pretty holy. I'm third degree burns. My mind's, I'm thinking about pure things, positive things most of the time. And I'm pretty holy. I thought, well, I am holy. And then God says, he went deeper and he says, um, I, your motive for helping people is so that you can get recognition. Your motive for serving in ministry is for recognition, for your little insecurities. And you have to tell people about the great things I'm doing through you in order to elevate yourself and feel like a somebody. Oh, oh, that's unfair. He's getting, he went deeper to the motives of my life. See, this is a third degree. This is really getting real with God. I said, how much of me do you want, God? He said, everything. I said, are you trying to kill me? He says, yep. <laughs> Galatians 2.20, Paul said, it's no longer I, I, I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live. It is Christ that liveth in me. Well, I want to be able to say that one day. I want to be able to say it now by faith. I want to be able to say it in every dimension of my life. So I've had to allow God... Well, I've had to make sacrifice to allow God to take me into the territory that was deeded to me. I was deeded to be free from violence. I was deeded to be free from drugs. I was deeded to be free from alcohol. I was deeded to be free from poverty. I was deeded to be free from spiritual darkness. But I had to pay a sacrifice to extend my borders in order for the king to rule in the areas of my life because I am a kingdom man provided I'm under a king. You're not in a kingdom unless you've got a king. You know what I'm saying? You can't be in a kingdom unless you've got a king. You've got to have a king over you. Yeah, that's a good story, that one, but I can't tell it. And so, uh, okay, next one, please. Thank you. God has predetermined our borders. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. God has predetermined the borders of your life. He wants to extend the boundaries of your life. God told Abraham what his borders would be, and they were beyond his natural abilities and limitations. God told the Moses generation, this is what your borders will be. You'll break out of Egypt, and you'll go into a land called Canaan, and you'll take possession. These are your borders, way beyond your limitations, way beyond your authority and your power. But they never broke through, did they? They never extended their borders and their boundaries, because they weren't willing to pay the sacrifice. They wanted to stay in the familiar, comfortable desert for 40 years. So another generation under Joshua rose up and they were willing to pay the sacrifice of going over the Jordan and fighting for the land that God promised them. See, God had ordained it, but they had to determine whether they walked into it or not. And they extended the borders of, the, of their lives, the borders of their possession as a nation by paying the sacrifice. Are you with me? You're catching the theme of what I'm saying? Okay, I'll, I'll make it clearer as we get through. What is a border? 
A border number one is a declaration of the territory that belongs to you. Put that line around your, that's, that's your border. That's a declaration. That is my territory. For instance, in your house, if I go to your house, um, <clears throat> that's your border. That's your territory. You have authority in your territory. You have authority in your metron. You have authority within your borders. You are safe within your borders. You are familiar and comfortable within your borders. I can't just come into your house and tell you where to put those pictures on the wall and and tell you what I think about that furniture. You can tell me where to go, otherwise. (laughs) Because I don't have that authority. You have authority. So within the confines of a border, it's a place where you also have authority. You with me? Mm Mm-hmm. And a third thing, there are a declaration of the territory where you have freedom also to roam at will. You are secure there. So borders are a declaration of security and protection. They define the familiar ter- territory in which you are confident and secure. And yet hear the word of the Lord tonight. He's saying, enlarge the place of your tent and stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Go beyond the borders that you feel familiar and, com- and confident in. Didn't he not say to Peter, get out of the boat? Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. If you, Lord, tell me to come, come. And he defied the laws of gravity and he stepped out. He made the sacrifice where the other guys didn't. They stayed in the boat and says, Peter, don't be a fool. It's a storm. You can't walk on water. Peter, what are you doing? But he paid the sacrifice where other brothers wouldn't pay. And he got out of the boat and he got out of the comfortable, familiar boat and he walked on water. And everyone says, yeah, but he sunk. Oh, I don't care about the sinking. At least he did something no human being's ever done before. He walked on the water. He walked on the impossibilities of life because he, he was willing to extend his border. God wants to break through and show you that you can overcome the impossibilities of life if you're willing to listen to his voice when he says, come. And you pay the sacrifice to get out of the familiar, comfortable place that you're in and follow the direction of Christ. You'll be able to walk on the things that you thought were impossible. You'll be able to, able to overcome the addictions that you thought were impossible. You'll be able to even be healed of diseases that the doctor says you're going to die from because he's a supernatural God. And so borders, our declaration of all those things. How does a border, how is a border established? Well, one is by the conquest of an invading army where someone pays a price to purchase a territory that they now enjoy. Israelites, Hebrews, under Joshua, they broke through the borders of Canaan and they established the kingdom of Israel there. It says, this is now our territory. This is what we're going to do to Satan. We're going to break through the borders of sin and darkness into the hearts of men and women in Hastings. Break through those borders with the love of God and allow them to find Christ and say, this, is, this man, this woman, this marriage, this family is no longer the kingdom of darkness. They belong to the kingdom of God. Amen? Yeah. We have to enlarge the borders of the kingdom within the lives of people. But in order to enlarge the borders of the kingdom in our city, we're going to make sure we enlarge the borders of the kingdom in our own lives. We're going to make sure we enlarge the borders of the kingdom in our own lives. Because you, you know, poor people can't set poor people free. <laughs> slaves can't set slaves free. And you can only lead someone where you've been. And if you're within the confines and the limitations of your borders, you're not going to set anyone free. This is why this church has been called to go beyond where it's ever been before. As individuals and as a group. To step out of the borders. To extend the, your borders and go beyond your limitations. Pay the sacrifice. And go to places where you've never been before. Because you can lead many more into the kingdom that way. Mm. Moving on, Pastor Mike and Joy paid a price to purchase the spiritual territory of this church here. They paid a price to purchase this territory which you now enjoy in the spirit. This church which you now enjoy, the marriage that you have. Many of you, the salvation that you experience, the health that you experience in your body. Uh, the children that you have, you wouldn't have them if it wasn't for this couple. They're willing to pay the sacrifice of planting this church here several years ago. They paid a price. They came out of the familiar, comfortable place that they were in to an uncomfortable, unfamiliar place to establish spiritual territory. Thank God they did. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here today. Thank God they did. Some of you, your business wouldn't even be operating unless they had come because you were divinely ordained to connect with them and that the blessing of God would flow upon you together as a people that through you, the power and the presence and the praises of God would be declared as we work together. You with me? So in order to extend a border and gain a new territory, somebody's got to pay a price. There's always a sacrifice to be made. Let's put the next one up, please. Ah, yeah. Okay, so if you want to extend a border in your life, you've got to first identify, identify the territory. Identify the territory in your life you do not yet possess. 
God did this with Joshua. He helped him identify. But you identified the territory. What is it in your life, if you could wave a magic wand, you'd be free from? Is it an attitude? Is it an addiction? Is it a, a debt? Is it something physical, mental, emotional, mineral, or vegetable? What is it? What is there in your life that you wish you could just do something and it would disappear? Identify. Where do you want... What is, what, is, what is in your life that is causing limitations? What is robbing you of your confidence before God? Some people say, well, Pastor, I don't feel close to God. I say, How much time do you spend in the presence of God? Oh, I'm too busy, Pastor. <laughs> I, I work early in the morning. I have to get up early. I haven't time to read the Bible. I have to go to work, Pastor. I'm tired when I get home. And I don't feel close to God. <laughs> I said, well, James says, draw near to me, and he'll, I'll draw near to you. He said, you've got to make time for God. Oh, but I'm too tired. Well, you're not ready to pay the sacrifice. You want to stay in your nice, comfortable, warm bed. There is sacrifice. If you want to extend the borders and get more into the presence of God, there's a sacrifice. It means you've got to sacrifice sleep sometimes. I have to sacrifice food to spend time in the presence of God. I had to break through the borders of comfortability and familiarity every week in order to find the word of the Lord for my church. Oh, great to be a pastor. Yeah. You can live on the edge or you can live in an uncomfortable place all the time. It's not that great. <laughs> it's overrated, actually. <laughs> I'm going to get a reward when I go to heaven. And my reward is seeing lives change. So what's limiting you from spending time with God? Sleep, sacrifice, opens an extensional border. Sacrifice, sacrifice is needed. So identify the sacrifice. I'm just using... Spending time with God is just, a, just one example. There's many examples. Well, I want to be wealthy, Pastor. I'm sick of being in debt. Uh-huh, have you got a bank account? No, nah, no, nah, I haven't got no money. What are you doing with your money? No, oh, I just, you know. So we teach our people, tithe, it's God's. Stop ripping him off. You're a thief. If you're, caught, if you're caught with something in your hand that doesn't belong to you, you're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. It's hot property. And so the tithe is God. So don't be caught with that in your hand, number one. You want God's blessing on you? Make sure you give to God what belongs to God. So give him the tithe, the tenth, that's his, not yours. Don't even debate it. Next thing is offerings. Give offerings. Help the poor, you know, sow offerings into the house of God. Next thing we say, now learn how to save. Get a bank account. If you can only put five bucks away a week, put something away a week. And we teach people how to budget their lives and how to budget finances, financial freedom. It's not just all prayer, you know. It's wisdom as well. It's transformed by the renewing, not the removal of the mind. Then we teach them once they've got money how to invest. And we've got so many people who have gone from poverty to prosperity in our church, people who are uh, down and out and now have their own businesses in the house. In the past, um, past five, four years, we've seen at least 15 new businesses start out of people in our church who came in their family generations. Uh, they were living in broken down old state houses and cars full of rust, burning smoke. And now they've got their own business operating and they're prosperous and some of them are wealthy. That's awesome, eh? Because they broke through the borders. I don't want to be poor anymore. Well, you better pay the sacrifice, what's required. Get out of your comfortable poverty mentality, out of your familiar victim mentality. Oh, but that's all mum and dad had here, so what? Is, is that what you want? Nah. Is that what you want for your children? Nah. Well, come on, let us help you extend your border, break out, break out of victim mentality. And so identify the territory you, yet need, you need to yet possess, number one. Number two, identify the sacrifice you'll have to make to enlarge that territory. And number three, pay the price. Pay the price and invade it. In order for Bay City Outreach to increase the borders of the kingdom Hastings this year and for the future, we need to make sure we are increasing the borders of spiritual territory within our personal lives first. Because remember, the church is only as loving as the people. The quality of the church is only as good as the quality of the people in the church. And if you want to extend the borders of the kingdom in Hastings, you've got to make sure you're extending the borders of the kingdom in your own heart as individuals. Amen. For the increase of the borders of the kingdom in your lives and your heart determines the increase of the borders of the kingdom in this city by this church. With me? You can't give what you don't possess and you can't help increase spiritual borders in the lives of others if you're not increasing it in your own personal life. The degree of kingdom, the degree of kingdom freedom you have, you possess in your personal life, determines the degree of kingdom freedom you can give to others. If we hadn't enlarged the borders of our marriage, when me and Jess got married, um, 
our, our, we got married on the uh, 3rd of February, 1979. Look at that, men. Do you know your wife's, you don't know your marriage, your wedding uh, anniversary? You've got to know it, man. If you want peace in the household, you've got to, you've got to know it. Anyway, 3rd of Feb, 79. It's tattooed. No. 3rd of Feb, 79. We got married. And I was a whore. I had spirit, I had demons inside of me. I had unresolved conflict and relationships from the past. And I would transfer all my jealousy and all my mistrust and anger upon the wife that loved me and was, was a good woman. But I had all this crap in me. And I was a prisoner. And so we got married. And that night we went on our honeymoon. And I was drunk. And I screamed at her all night and demanded a divorce. She cried all night. We woke up in the morning. Big red eyes. I wanted a divorce. That was, the first, that was our first night, our honeymoon. It was, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and we, we stayed together for 10 months. And at the end of 10 months, I said, stuff this, I'm going back. I mean, I'm going back to Aussie to live my own life. And she said, good riddance. <laughs> Didn't know God, of course. I mean, she would stand at the door and argue at me, and I'd throw the wedding presents at her. And she would shut the door, and the presents would bounce off. She'd pick it up and throw it back. And we threw the toaster and the wok and the frying pan <laughs> I mean, she was feisty. She might be little, but she's feisty. <clears throat> and we're scre- at each other's throat. Yet in my heart, I loved her. We felt God calling us. You'll only find happiness in me. So we both got on our knees on the 19th of December, 1979. We got on our knees in our lounge. No one there, no church, no hallelujah in the background, no angels. He just got down and said, God, if you're real, help us. Our marriage is crap. And if you can't help us, I'm going back to Aussie. And we both agreed, let's just split. And yet, I, I wanted to get it on with my wife. And so the next day, um, and when we prayed that prayer, there was an earthquake. The roof shook open. The heavens opened. A meteorite went past. An angel appeared and says, Ta-da! No, he didn't. Nothing like that happened. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so the next day, we, we went to a church, and it was a boring old church. And the, the, yeah, it was just boring. And uh, Let's go to another church. And we found a church for the pastor who married us was preaching. And we sat there and listened to him. He says, he's talking to me all the time. And uh, consequently, we got mentored under Pastor John Ballantyne in Omaru. And, um, and he helped us break through the borders of dysfunctional living, of a dysfunctional marriage, of dysfunctional relationship. He helped us break through the borders of dysfunctional parenting. And we had to pay a sacrifice. I wish I could say it was heaven after that, but it was hell for the first three years. Well, <clears throat> and we, we tell our married, young marrieds, it's not going to be hell for you. It was hell for us because we didn't know the ways of God. We didn't know how to be a good husband, good mother, good father, good, good wife. We didn't know those things, and now we do. And now we teach our children these things so that they can break through the borders, that we're broken through for them, that they can experience a good family, a good marriage. They know how to parent. They know how to, to love one another. And we didn't know, and so we had to go through the uncomfortable, unfamiliar territory of denying ourselves. I had to bite my tongue instead of yelling at Jesus, uh, Jess. And uh, she had to shut her mouth instead of me. We had to learn to submit to God. I said, God is our boss. Whatever Jesus says, I will do. And he says, love your, hu- love your wife, husband. <laughs> Why can't you make them all like me? Because I wired her different. <laughs> and, says, and my spirit can bring compatibility. See, we extended our borders. It was a sacrifice. But we extended our borders in our marriage. And now we have, we've been married 31 years. And we've got uh, our kids are married and eight grandkids. And that we, that is, it's just an awesome, awesome blessing that God has given us. It didn't come easy. It was a sacrifice to pay. I counsel in marriage. And I have two couples sitting here. And one couple hears everything we say and they go and do it. And within three weeks their marriage is up through the, you know, it's taken off from a scale of one to ten, they're up under ten. The other couple goes down. And when I speak to them, I determine this, that the couple that experiencing breakthrough are the ones who paid the price of applying wisdom to their marriage and the ones who got breakdown are the ones who are too lazy to pay the price, too selfish, too self, well, he won't do this too, and she won't do this. Oh, come and get a life. You know, do it because God tells you to love your wife, tells you to submit to him. Do it! Pay the sacrifice, get out of the unfamiliar territory and break through. But they don't, and their limitations, their selfish limitations, broken marriages and divorces. So am I making sense tonight? Yeah. Certainly not talking the way I thought I was going to be talking, so... You're just going to go with the flow. And so, there are spiritual borders. I've extended my spiritual borders quite a lot. I remember when I was in, in, uh, in, in uh, Gisborne, first went to Gisborne, um, this fella asked uh, if we could pray for him. I said, yeah. He came to church, actually, him and his mate, and they're stoned. 
And uh, they're sitting at the back of the hall, and I says, who needs to give their life? To, you need to give your life to Jesus. And, and their hands went up. And this guy's trying to pull his hand out. He says, what's this? Some, this power of God put his hand up. He's trying to pull his hand out. I said, I see your hand. I prayed sinners with him. And then I went up to him. I prayed for him. What's wrong with him? He said, oh, my back been sharing all my life. I've got these big gaps in my spine. And prayed for him. And God healed him. Healed his mother of diabetes. She ended up under the table. And he says, would you come and pray for my mate? He's got a broken back. He, he fell off a horse playing polo and broke it in two places. And he's been in pain ever since. He's got these plates. It's no worries. So we went out to his house at uh, uh, Toranga, just out of Wairo. And... Um, and there's this dope house, and they're all sitting there having a few smokes and that. <laughs> How's it, Kia ora. I'm the pastor. From the... I come to pray for you. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> this big fella sitting in the chair. You want me to pray for you? Oh, yeah. So uh, I prayed for him, and as I prayed for him, he spun around his chair. Who did that? I said, what? Who punched me in the back? <laughs> Nobody punched in the back, bro. He says, someone hit me. I said, stand up, you're healed. And he stands up, and his eyes says, what have you done to me? Then he get and he's wandering around around the house, bending over. What did you do to you? I said, did nothing. This is the presence of Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for you. He's a living God. He's not a fairy tale, bro. He can give you a greater high than you're you're talking. So oh, I believe it. A couple of days later, he, he turns up at my house and he says, "Would you talk to my brother?" I said, "Who is he?" He's, he's a ringer two minister. He's been ordained ringer two minister, and he, and he leads in the tuhoi in the Uruweras. So I went and talked to Reuben. And uh, he said, my grandmother told me about this power. I believe in this power. I says, yeah, I do too. His name is Jesus. Ringer 2 won't save you. Either will Ratana, either will Pentecostal churches, either will any denomination. Only Jesus can save you. He says, I believe that. He said, would you pray for me? I says, okay. So I prayed for him. He had a broken tailbone. He'd been off work for two years. He was instantly healed. I prayed for his uncle and, uh, and for his sister. They were all healed of uh, asthma or emphysema on the spot. This is in their backyard sitting around a table, some of them having a smoke. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Ghost doesn't care where people swear, smoke, or whatever. He just seems to, it's all fleet flowing. Just, I mean, it doesn't mean it's saying they keep on doing that way. They, they did change their lives. But why am I telling you this? I've broken, though at the borders of me moving in the power of God, then I went to India. I've always wanted to see blind eyes open. So I'm in India, and they bring these blind, the blind men to me. I said, right, I'm going to push beyond where I've ever been before. <laughs> So they brought the blind man to me, and I prayed over him in the name of Jesus. See, couldn't see. Second time, see, couldn't see. Still blind as a bat. I said, what do I do, God? He says, do what I did. What did you do? He said, I spat in his eye. <laughs> oh, are you willing to spit in his eye? This is why I thought, yeah, because no one knows me here anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> no, I Spat on my fingers, true story. Wiped the spittle, and I, ooh, it's yucky. wiped it across his eye. Took my hand off. As soon as I did that, he went, ah! And he started shouting and pointing at the stars. I see, I see, I see. Whoa. So I've extended my borders. I've gone beyond the comfortable, familiar realm of just praying for headaches and a few you know, little back complaints. Push your borders, and this is spiritual territory that has been deeded to me and deeded to you. But who will possess this? Only those who are willing to lift up the sail of their heart and let the wind of destiny take them from beyond where you were into a place where you have never been before, exceedingly, abundantly beyond you could ever think or ask in Christ Jesus. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Uh, the power of God is in the, is in the faith and the expectancy of His people. Amen. It's within you. My job is to help light that fuse, to activate, to encourage you to, to, to take that step, to push beyond the boundaries that, that you're in at the moment. I'm giving you some instruction, prophetic instruction of how to break through. There are relational borders as well. You know, we all got relational borders in the sense that there's certain people we get on with. There's certain relationships we can relate to, yeah? You know what I'm talking about? And not just certain people we love. Like if I go up and talk to somebody about quantum physics or he talked to me about quantum physics, I have no idea what he's talking about, man. He's beyond my borders of academic understanding. I, have, I don't have a clue what he's talking about. And so and if I want to extend my academic borders, there's a sacrifice of study to get out of my familiar zone. And I have got to know general knowledge, a lot of things, in order to be all things to all men, I've got to know about things. I had a brother, he said, I don't watch TV. I don't watch television. I said, uh, who won the uh, All Blacks last night? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't follow the worldly stuff. Well, how do you relate to the guys at the freezing works? So all they want to do is talk about the All Blacks. How do you relate to them? Oh, no, I just... He's a nutter. He's a nutter. He can, doesn't relate to anybody. He won't extend the borders of, of just plain common sense in his mind. Now, it doesn't mean you have to become worldly. We are in the world, but not of it. But we've got to be able to relate. So I have extended the borders of my general knowledge about certain things, and especially about Harleys. That's easy. But... Um, <laughs> I'm a petrol head, and those things, I'm, it's easy to talk with guys about cars and bikes and so forth. I'm familiar, I'm comfortable there. But what about when you're talking about the people who write social policies, and, and you're talking to prime ministers, and you're talking to, to mayors and those sort of people. I've got to sort of enlarge my borders and step out of the comfortable, familiar zone of my do, and, uh, and sort of study up a bit and sort of get a basic general knowledge of what to talk to them about. Hmm? So there are relational borders that need to be extended. There's a sacrifice to be paid. There's emotional borders that we have to extend. Some people say, Pastor, you don't know the trials, the troubles I've been through. You don't know the pain I feel and the, and the sorrow I have seen. And I just, I'm sorry, I just don't have that joy that you have. I was abused as a little child. My goldfish committed suicide. My dog got run over. You don't know the pain. And I found a ticky in a corny pack, and a curse came on me because I wore this plastic ticky. Oh, what? <laughs> hey, man, you gotta, you got to get over. you got to stop being a dog licking your wounds. And in Jesus Christ, he gives the authority, he gives us the power to get over the past. He has deeded us territory. We, we don't have to allow emotional trauma, mental pain of the past to hold us back. He says, I have an anointing to heal the broken heart. He's called the restorer of the soul. And he says, he's deeded us freedom in life, not bondage. And so you can pay the sacrifice and get over your self-pity and get over your whinging and your whining and learn how to forgive the one who abused you. We teach people, forgive them. I can't, I can't. You won't, you won't. I can't, I can't. You won't, you won't. It's a choice, a choice. <sighs> and I speak from experience. We have hundreds of people who have been abused and incest victims and some of them uh, are not murder victims because they'd be dead, wouldn't they? But they have been, uh, 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 one of their loved ones has been murdered, but they have forgiven and they've moved on. It doesn't mean when you forgive, you let them off the hook. You deliver them into the hand of God, but you walk with freedom. Because if you don't forgive, then God will torment you night and day. Matthew 18, he'll put you in the hand of the tormentors night and day if you do not forgive from your heart, your brother. So there are emotional borders that we need to break through and stop licking our wounds and our insecurities and our rejection of the past. We've got to move out of it, pay the sacrifice, suck it up, move on. Oh, I don't know. I just get sick of Christians who are like little wimps and wusses and pussies. And uh, oh, it's just disgusting. When they're in the world, they're bold as, strong as, confident as, and they become a Christian. Oh, the devil's after me, Pastor. What are you? You've got an effeminate spirit, man. The Holy Spirit, he's a warrior God. You have a warrior spirit, not an effeminate running away from the devil spirit. We have a different spirit that confronts darkness, confronts our giants and our fears. That's a man. 